0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to chapter 148 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Mike Guy Revisited episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokitansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View.
1: This week we're heading down under once more to examine the ongoing saga of the Australian PM Scott Morrison and his red-pilled buddy, professional town planner Tim Stewart, whose Q influencer moniker was Burn Notice, or Burn Spy, before he was banned by Twitter. The scandal first surfaced in 2019 when it became apparent that their friendship had influenced words chosen by the PM in one of his speeches, specifically a reference to ritual abuse, which will be a familiar term for those following Q. Now, Mategate, as it's been dubbed, is back in the papers again, this time with Stewart's own family members speaking out against his beliefs and proximity to the Prime Minister. We'll be walking you through the story and then we'll be sitting down with Karen Stewart, the younger sister of Burn Notice, or Tim Stewart, who has been tracking her brother's red pilling and its potential effects on national politics in Australia. But before we get into all that,
2: QAnon News. For my first story, the FBI warns Congress that QAnon followers may turn violent. I think some of them already know because they were, you know, in the Capitol on January 6th. In a June 4th bulletin distributed to members of Congress, the FBI said that its experts believe that some QAnon followers will no longer trust the plan and engage in real world violence. Now, this is not the first time that the uh, FBI has warned about the threats posed by QAnon followers. In uh, early 2019, the Phoenix field office of the FBI issued a warning about the threat of conspiracy theory driven extremists and the name QAnon specifically as a possible source of that threat. In this newer statement, I, I thought it was kind of strange, and not because it was, like, wrong. In fact, much of the bulletin echoed things that I and other researchers who study QAnon have been saying for many years. But I thought it was strange because it didn't seem to add much of anything new. And it didn't give any concrete reasons why we should be especially concerned right now. I mean, I guess I kind of always assumed that the, the feds were, like, oh, more on top of the threat posed by QAnon than the rest of us schlubs.
1: But I guess maybe that's not the case. No, and like, what are we supposed to make of any of this? I mean, like, yeah. thanks for telling us that uh, our houses are on fire. It's very strange and
2: worrying where it's like, oh, hey, hey, just so you know, bad things may happen. They may not, can't predict the future. I mean, that's always been true. That's been true since, I mean, like I said, the, the there have been, you know, QAnon murders and terrorist attacks and and uh, before. And so if this isn't... New information. I just wish it wish wish they could be a little bit more specific rather
1: than bad things are going to be hap- or might happen. Be afraid, you know. Rest assured that when these bad things happen, they will be there on the sidelines taking notes diligently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this was a key passage from that intelligence bulletin. We assess that some domestic violent extremist adherents of QAnon likely will begin to believe they can no longer quote trust the plan referenced in QAnon posts, and that they have an obligation to change from serving as, quote, digital soldiers towards engaging in real-world violence, including harming perceived members of the cabal, such as Democrats and other political opposition. Instead of continually awaiting Q's promised actions which have not occurred, other QAnon inherents likely will disengage from the movement or reduce their involvement in the wake of the administration change. The disengagement may be spurred by the large mainstream social media deplatforming of QAnon content based on social media companies' own determinations that users have violated terms of service and the failure of long-promised QAnon-linked events to materialize. Some domestic violent extremists have discussed how to radicalize new users to niche social media platforms following QAnon adherents' migration to these platforms after large-scale removals of QAnon content from mainstream sites. Adherence to QAnon by some domestic violent extremists likely will be affected by factors such as the severity of the COVID-19 pandemic, the level of societal polarization in the United States, social media companies' willingness to QAnon-related content on their sites, and the frequency and content of pro-QAnon statements by public individuals who feature prominently in the core QAnon narratives.
2: That last line about pro QAnon statements by public individuals who feature prominently in core QAnon narratives—I think that almost certainly refers to General Michael Flynn.
0: Are you talking about me, That's boy? Funny. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I think what I think what the feds are saying is that, like, like, listen, we can't really predict what exactly how far Flynn is going to go in his mm-hmm. in his uh, promotion of QAnon. He's a uh, Flynn right now is a bit of on a road tour for about QAnon. He was in, uh, he was at the Dallas QAnon rally. He was at Q adjacent real. America tour in Tampa, Florida. So I think that, I guess, like like the rest of us, we're thinking, like, how far is Flynn going to go? Because he's, he's, a, he's a hero in QAnon world. For my next story, dozens of QAnon followers are running for the 2022 congressional election. So you may remember that during the lead up to the 2020 election, friend of the show, Alex Kaplan, over at Media Matters, kept a running list of QAnon congressional candidates. And two people on that list, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, wound up actually getting elected to Congress. Uh, Well, he he has been back at it again for uh, the congressional elections that will take place late next year. And to date, the number of QAnon congressional candidates is 35. So off to a great start. Yeah. Uh So Florida is currently the state with the most QAnon candidates. Unsurprising. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are uh, eight uh, QAnon congressional candidates from Florida and six from California. Uh, there are two each from Arizona, Nevada, New Jersey, Texas, Illinois and
1: Ohio. You just said six from California. Are you trying to get over that just because you're from the state or something? I, I mean, this that's is. That's I mean, pretty high. We're that's pretty good. It's pretty good. We're we're second. You know what? Honestly, I think by next year we're going to catch up. I, California so? is going to be number one. We yeah. can beat Florida at their own game, except in a drier manner.
0: <laughs> Not content wise, though, to no. make the distinction. No. Just that'll be nice just and moist. Climate, climate wise. Yeah, the con- <laughs> the content will be very <laughs> clammy. The the content is going to be downright moldy by the time it gets to us. <laughs> One such candidate
2: from Florida is Anthony Sabatini, and uh, Sabatini is an incumbent member of the Florida House of Representatives, so he's already uh, an elected rep, and he um, he is now running for Florida's 11th congressional district, and back in May of uh, 2020, he tweeted a link to qmap.pub, which was once the largest QDrop <laughs> aggregator site. So he's there. There are people who are straight up, you know, tweeting, you know, Q drops and shit who are running for Congress, possibly going to expand the uh, QAnon caucus uh, in 2022. For my next story, a QAnon follower who participated in the January 6th insurrection now says that it was a pack of lies. One of the most famous images to come out of the riots on January 6th depicted a man wearing a beanie and a Q shirt that said, trust the plan. And he was shown chasing a Capitol police officer up a flight of stairs. Uh, That man is 41 year old Douglas Jensen, who traveled all the way from Iowa to participate in the riot. Jensen later told police that he purposely jumped to the front of the crowd because he wanted his QAnon t-shirt to be prominently seen on TV so that Q would, quote, get the credit for the insurrection. And I have to say... Mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, if that was, if that was the goal, then a lot when a lot of people think about the uh, events of January sixth, they also th- think of QAnon.
1: I mean, this looks like the right is identifying that Q can open revolutionary possibilities for their movements. So Jensen was arrested on several counts, and according to a recent legal filing
2: by his lawyers, he claims that he had a change of heart. His lawyers say that he feels deceived recognizing that he bought into a pack of lies.
1: That legal filing goes on to say this. For reasons he does not even understand today, he became a true believer and was convinced he was doing a noble service by becoming a digital soldier for Q. Maybe it was midlife crisis, the pandemic, or perhaps the message just seemed to elevate him from his ordinary life to exalted status with an honorable goal. In any event, he fell victim to this barrage of Internet-sourced info and came to the Capitol at the direction of the President of the United States to demonstrate that he was a true patriot.
2: Now, this is, uh, I think, an interesting strategy that has been employed by a few people representing uh, people who were arrested as a consequence of January 6th is basically blaming the president, blaming Internet radicalization. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll, will It remains to be seen how successful uh, these strategies are. I mean, it worked, uh, it worked okay for Anthony Camello, who was deemed unfit to stand trial for that uh, murder charge. He was a QAnon follower who, uh, you know, shot the reputed mob boss. But um, yeah, it, interesting legal strategy.
0: Yeah, the it's the brainwashing strategy. You know, essentially, these people were brainwashed by the internet, and it caused them to, you know, commit violence.
1: And so now that's legal. If you get brainwashed by the internet, you get a free crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a free crime?
1: Don't make it storming the capital, you dipshit. <laughs>
0: it's like it's like the purge, but like not all on one day, just kind of like staggered throughout the year for like different tiers. It's like when your group yeah. gets called at, at the fucking airlines, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, most of them would just use it to like bump everybody in the Starbucks line aside. (laughs) For my next story, QAnon followers
2: dismayed that Donald Trump will be touring with Bill O'Reilly in December. So it was announced that uh, former President Trump is going to tour at the end of this year. Uh, He's going to be participating in a series of paid ticketed events with Bill O'Reilly in Florida and Texas. Now, One might suspect that this would be good news for QAnon followers. You know, they finally get to see Trump again about a year after he was kicked off of social media. But it turns out that some of them were disappointed because this contradicts the widespread belief in QAnon world that Trump will return to the White House, possibly in August. You know, Uh,
1: (laughs) sir, how did you find time for the tour? You're going to be president.
2: (laughs) One uh, QAnon follower on Telegram named Peace Lily wrote this.
0: She wrote this in all caps, by the way, so I'll try to read accordingly. Okay, I guess my question is, Trump coming back? Why would he be doing a tour through the end of the year with O'Reilly? Hmm, something doesn't feel right?
1: Another Telegram user named Tammy B. wrote this. Is this a false flag to take the sting out of President Trump's declaration that he'll be back sooner than we think? Kind of keeping the MSM guessing. I mean, they're still doing the same thing where it's like, oh, we have no idea what the hell is going on. Therefore, (laughs) the
2: MSM and the Norways don't either. Therefore, our confusion is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this faith that because we don't know what's going on, he must.
1: Well, they're used to Q just asking questions. So they're like, maybe my state of confusion where I'm nonstop asking questions is actually positive. Still another QAnon follower on Telegram named Jeff
0: P wrote this. So now we know the plan isn't August. I'm feeling more and more like we've been fed a lot of disinformation. All right. <laughs> Go with that feeling,
2: Jeff. Really examine it. Nurture you it. You can do it. Really, funny. that feeling of discomfort. Don't don't run away from it. Lean into it. However, others still kept the faith. I saw one QAnon follower named
1: John who said this. All just before Christmas. Maybe via remote from the White House to tell us of. A- All the good things happening. I see. So
0: tell us the good news. Yeah.
1: I want my president. I want it to be Mr. Trump. And he goes and he's the president again. I I know. (laughs) Won't Santa Claus do this for me? Yeah, we talk about a lot, but like it's so
2: sad how much, you know, the uh, Trump losing the election has dampened the ambition of QAnon followers before. It was like worldwide revolution and peace Mm -hmm. and freedom and prosperity and Hillary and Gitmo. Now it's like, I just want Trump
1: in office again. I I I demand the new Funko Pop be Trump.
0: But I mean, look—they're being realistic, right? I mean, if you're, you know, at first they were expecting, you know, a new world, you know, a a a utopian society uh, where the libs are crushed and sent to, you know, rehabilitation camps. Um, But now, you know, maybe, you know, in the face of him kind of, you know, not publicly winning the election, they're they're going to settle for, you know, secretly taking back over the office at some point this year.
3: I
1: like the idea that Trump (laughs) privately won the election. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I do wonder, Julian, if 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 mm-hmm. I think you were talking about it on on another on an episode from a couple weeks ago, where it's like may, maybe Trump like will kind of fade from the sort of hero status of. You know, these sort of general, you know, QAnon believers that, that push forward that are, you know, waiting for the storm. You know, maybe they want the storm so bad that they are they're willing to sort of let Trump kind of fall to the wayside if, if say, a Michael Flynn or, or somebody that's, you know, more directly right. sort of uh, responding to them uh, be, kind of takes the forefront.
1: One thing to take into account is that people realize they have no more political control, so they just want to change the products, right? So it's the same thing with this. It's like, well, at least I want him on TV. Like, at least I want him to be honored in some way. Like it, You're going to keep falling back on smaller and smaller uh, things to demand. But the cycle of Trump having political power should can best be compared to a huge TV show like Game of Thrones. I think that's going to be uh, seeing the same half-life, like from the day it stops airing even if, you know, there's spin-offs or even if the actors talk about it or there's shows or whatever, you will kind of be losing power over time. But not because people turn their back on it, but just because it becomes less relevant, time moves on. I right, think Trump right. will exist like that in culture.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because political culture and entertainment culture exist exactly the same way. And look at what they are demanding. They, they're demanding his return to the spectacle. Please put him back in the fucking television where he he's telling me, you know, the things I want to hear, which is essentially just a product change demand. It's just they're just doing like <laughs> they're just doing like a survey,
0: which <laughs> like, which makes well, you wonder why Trump doesn't do his own TV network well, he, where he can that be on not good at
1: it. He needs like a network to work for him. That's why Bill O'Reilly, that makes sense.
2: It's almost like uh, you know people people saying it's like ah, I don't like this Jay Leno character so much. I like Johnny Carson better. I wish he would come back. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this. The, sure. the, I like a, the, this change. This new host isn't doing it for me quite.
0: <laughs>
2: Mategate
0: revisited.
2: Mategate is a story that was reported by the Guardian and the Australian news outlet Crikey in 2019. Uh, that year, we also talked about it for an episode with our friends at the Bunta Vista podcast. Makegate concerned the fact that Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison was longtime friends with a QAnon influencer named Burn Spy or Burn Notice, whose real name is Tim Stewart. Now, Stewart had been a family friend of Morrison since the 90s. He and his wife regularly hung out at the official residence of the prime minister, where Stewart's wife was even employed as a helper, and the two families went on holidays together. Burnt Spy at one time was like a mid-level QAnon influencer. He at one point was even queued, or he had a post of his on Twitter that was linked to in a queued drop. So he was, you know, he wasn't uh, totally uh, irrelevant. He wasn't like a huge, he wasn't Joe M level, but he was. He did have a a few tens of thousands of followers. He he had some uh, sort of some pull in the QAnon community. Now, this in the isolation isn't necessarily concerning. You know, sometimes you go through life, you discover that your friends or family are pilled. Mm -hmm. You obviously can't be held responsible for what your friends believe. But the more troubling revelation was that it appeared that Tim Stewart had the prime minister's ear, even to the extent of influencing what he said in a speech. The specific incident happened in late 2018 when Prime Minister Morrison issued a formal apology to victims of child sexual abuse in Australia. During that speech, Morrison used an unusual phrase, ritual sexual abuse.
3: The crimes of ritual sexual abuse happened in schools, churches, youth groups, scout troops, orphanages, foster homes, sporting clubs,
0: group homes, charities, and in family homes as well."
2: That raised eyebrows because the phrase ritual sexual abuse isn't commonly used by sexual abuse victims or their advocates, but QAnon followers love it, probably because it invokes images of elites donning robes and tying children to stone tablets so they they can be drained of their adrenochrome. Scott Morrison's office claimed that they got the phrase from victim advocates, but that doesn't quite comport with interviews conducted by the publication Crikey. When they asked one person who consulted with the Australian government about
0: the speech, they said this about the phrase. We were consulting with victim groups, and if that had come up at all, we would have got rid of it. If anything, it would have been, don't use this.
2: Also originally reported by Crikey was that uh, in the hours before Morrison's address to Parliament, Tim Stewart sent a text to a colleague that said, I think Scott is going to do it. And then shortly after the speech, Tim Stewart posted a tweet that called special attention to the phrase. That tweet said this.
0: What a great speech at Scott Morrison, MP, acknowledging the victims of ritual abuse. View it 606 in clip below.
2: Now, when this story broke almost two years ago, I thought it was like insane, especially insane. It wasn't getting the attention I thought it deserved. Like a major major head, head of state appeared to be getting advice from a QAnon follower. Now, despite my best efforts, uh, I wasn't able to draw sufficient uh, attention to the story. However, the controversy reignited thanks to a report from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation television news program, Four Corners. Uh, I wasn't familiar with uh, this particular program. But apparently, it's like the Australian 60 Minutes. The airing of this report was delayed for weeks, apparently. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, the story was originally set to run in May and had been approved by the corporation's legal department and its head of investigations. However, management at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, or ABC, delayed airing the episode. This was seen by some as an attempt to dampen tensions between the national broadcaster and the federal government. However, management at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation delayed airing the episode. This was seen by some as an attempt to dampen tensions between the national broadcaster and the federal government. However, the episode did eventually air and it added I, I thought it was a, like uh, it was really good. You can see it for free on YouTube. And I think I think it added like a really welcome human element to the story. The program interviewed the relatives of Tim Stewart and they, they revealed that they were like so concerned about his beliefs that they notified the national security hotline several times. The report also revealed that there were a lot more messages from Tim Stewart suggesting that he was pressuring Morrison to include the phrase ritual sexual abuse in that
4: speech. High Priest showed Four Corners messages he says Tim Stewart sent him, referring to his attempts to get the words ritual abuse into the apology. I am organizing an intimate strategy for the PM. Read the ritual phrase. OK, mate, I'm just preparing a message to Scott now, re-Monday. Once he's awake, mate, he will kick ass. Priest says he also received a text message Tim Stewart said he had sent to his wife, Linell.
2: An army of victims and therapists would specifically love it if Scott's apology referenced ritual abuse victims. This exact wording is a key phrase for victims. Think of this like a code that sends a direct and clear message that they have been heard by
3: Scott specifically.
2: The airing of that Four Corners episode apparently intensified the degree of scrutiny on the prime minister for his relationship with Tim Stewart. Morrison was asked about the report during a press conference, and he offered a testy response.
5: Before you've seen that report that Fairfax and nine newspapers are reporting that the ABC bosses blocked a Four Corners episode linking you to a QAnon figure, are you concerned the ABC is involved in so-called vigilante journalism? Were the allegations put to you, and what is
3: your connection to the man at the centre of that story?
0: I find it deeply offensive that there would be any suggestion that I would have any involvement or support for such a dangerous organisation. I clearly do not. It's also just very disappointing that four corners, um, in their inquiries, would seek to
4: cast this aspersion not just against me but by members of my own family. I
2: just
0: think that's that's really poor form. Thank you very much.
1: When he says organization, it almost feels like that's a pilled statement, right? You're saying like, no, no, there is a right. thing. It's called QAnon. It's like a set of, like, military leakers, and uh, I know they're dangerous, and so I will not associate myself, <laughs> but it's Right, <laughs> it's not calling it
2: an extremist movement or something. It's like an organization, you know. That report was even referenced in the Australian Parliament. Member of Parliament Chris Bowen denounced Morrison.
3: Now let us be clear, Mr. Speaker, what this is not about. Who the Prime Minister is friends with is entirely a matter for him. He is not accountable for the political views of his Prime Minister, of, of his friends. But when this Prime Minister gets input from a conspiracy theorist for an important speech in this chamber, he is accountable to this House and to the Australian people. He is accountable to this House and the Australian people for who is employed at taxpayers' expense at his direction. He is accountable to this House and the Australian people for who is invited to an important part of our national estate, i.e. Kirribilli House. He is accountable. Last night, Four Corners presented credible and indeed compelling evidence that this Prime Minister has been getting input from a conspiracy theorist for statements in this House. Ministers and the Prime Minister cannot just smear Four Corners. They have to answer the serious allegations that have been made.
0: (laughs) Whoa, this guy. Awesome. All right. Yeah, man,
2: I love the parliamentary system. Everyone's just like, whenever someone gives a passionate speech, they always have your buzz. Yeah,
0: "Yeah, yeah, give it to them. Ours is basically like, uh, the gentleman, Chuck Schumer, is a uh, living, breathing, uh, satanic pedophile. (laughs) And Chuck Schumer's like, I object to the gentleman's uh, (laughs) categorization of me as a pedophile. Such ridiculous statements are immature.
1: The gentleman from New York's time is up. I yield the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Tim Stewart and his son Jesse are still full-on Q influencers. Here's the segment in the ABC documentary describing their recent appearance on the Patriot transition voice, QAnon talk show.
4: Tim Stewart and his son Jesse have become increasingly well-known in the QAnon world. Well,
0: there's quite a story with you two. In
4: November, they were interviewed on a YouTube QAnon talk show. For
0: having me on. It's an honour to be here.
4: Both appeared using their online personas, Burn Notice for Tim and Negan HQ for Jesse. And
3: I had an older account.
4: The hosts applauded the father and son duo.
3: It was actually kind of good. We could really start start doing, looking at things together, and exploring stuff together once uh, once what, we knew who we, we were.
2: What a great bond! <laughs> I mean, that's just the great yeah. thing. You're both like separate patriots that found out you were patriots in the same war, in the same troop, in the same <laughs> battalion.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't answer her a question, Burn. Who Q was? Um, who do you think Q is?
3: But whether it's a a uh, You know, cosmic social experiment on humanity or (laughs) a really clever person from the NSA that's just, you know, gone out on their own and gone rogue. Yeah. Whatever the case is, it's worth keeping an eye on.
1: You'll notice that his son went by Negan in that clip. That's because before he got banned, he had festooned his Twitter with references to the Walking Dead villain. Here's his bio. So it's a photo of Negan with another photo of Negan. The username is Negan underscore HQ. The name is Negan. And Jake, please just read us this wonderful bio.
0: I wear a leather jacket. I have Lucille, and my nutsack is made of steel. (laughs) I hope you got your shitting pants on. Kekestani Intel, Aussie. So it's as usual, we're looking into something awful, but at the
1: core of it, there's my nutsack is made of steel. I hope you got your shitting pants on, which I mean... (laughs) This is why I hate doing this podcast <laughs> because we don't even have any dignity. Like, we, <laughs> we, we're we, constantly why, in the mud why with can't them because just, we have to cover it. Why can't the fascist threat be a little bit more respectable? <laughs> this is, this yeah. is all we have. Cooler, ask. right? We could be like fighting like epic villains, not someone who says, Hope you got your shit and pants on. <laughs> this, I suppose, was better than his previous handle, which, if you remember, was Jesse Anya Mate. Which makes little sense even for something an Australian wrote. (laughs) Meanwhile, his father, Tim Stewart, has also destroyed his relationship to the majority of his close family, who appeared in the ABC News in-depth piece to describe what happened. The first voice you'll hear is Tim's mother, and the second is Karen Stewart, his sister and this week's guest.
5: We've watched the change over these last years be quite dramatic. That's what raises our concern that we do have family members who are involved.
4: The Stewart family in Sydney are among those deeply concerned over QAnon's spread as they've watched their son and brother, Tim Stewart, become immersed in its beliefs.
5: Tim believes that the world has really been taken over by satanic pedophiles or luciferian pedophiles they call them and that that is represented by the left so the radical left and if you don't believe in the QAnon perspectives then you're a pedophile enabler
1: we are sitting with karen Stewart, the sister of tim Stewart, aka burn notice or burn spy now we've been talking uh for maybe almost two years uh karen so thanks so much, you know, for finally accepting to speak with us and um, welcome to the show.
5: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've, my father and I have listened to a few of your podcasts and find them very, very amusing. Going a, a fair way back and hearing um, all of those things when QAnon hadn't made it far in Australia. So it helped us a lot understanding what we we're dealing with.
1: Excellent. And, you know, over the course of the last two years, obviously, we've been discussing... The ongoing situation between your brother and the prime minister and the QAnon beliefs that seem to kind of have floated between them. And you've also just been sending me news of Australia to remind me that, you know, the country is dealing with these issues in an ongoing way. Can you describe to us how you first became aware of Tim's beliefs over the course of the last few years and even maybe before QAnon?
5: Um, yeah, I certainly noticed some strange things in the 2016 American election. So he would refer to Donald Trump as being um, anti-establishment and uh, I would think quite the opposite. But that was when Barack Obama's birth certificate and all that sort of stuff came around. There was a piece of legislation that w- was done in the Australian and parliament and the British parliament at the same time back in 1986 and so that severed the legal ramifications between Australia and Great Britain where anything that they passed in their parliament didn't affect Australia mm-hmm. and that our highest court in the land was the High Court of Australia um so that was quite just uh, dis- it was quite significant because it was important to Australia's sovereignty but as part of that Tim certainly believed that 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 was the moment when we became a corporation and we were sold to America. So I think he got that confused with when we floated our currency, which was in 1983. Um, But lots of people were saying, oh, when you're born, America starts up a corporation and they operate on your behalf, whether you want them to or not. Um, So then that was when I started to think, yeah, these are pretty outlandish And anything, um, the conspiracy theorist, the professional conspiracy theorist in um, England, it's David Icke, anything he said, even if it was a Queen's shape-shifting lizard, then Tim and his son were onto that and believed it.
1: And so Tim and his son, like, this always was kind of a package? I mean, did they, like, feed off each other uh, to get into these... Sovereign citizen beliefs, these uh, birthright beliefs—they
5: eventually did, but not not initially. So not till about 2018. Everything was prior to that. So I think it it was really Tim came off a low benchmark from a conspiracy theory angle. So he had prior to 2016 believed there was a secret banking system. You could give him ten thousand dollars, and he'll turn that into a million dollars in you know virtually overnight. And there was this secret banking system that only the Rothschilds could access, but now he had access to it. And please give us some money and I'll sort that out for you. So when he changed beliefs and realized that um, the secret banking system probably wasn't real, we were all really happy that he'd moved on to something else, only to find out it was QAnon and think, oh no. Right. So they became more and more outlandish. It wouldn't matter what you said, he was likely to disagree with you, but the... What he'd claim would be so specific that you couldn't argue a point anyway, because you'd never come across anything like that when he was searching, you know, the nether regions of the internet. You couldn't dispute anything because it was so uh, monumentally specific and ridiculous.
1: And so around this time uh, in the documentary, you described that these family dinners had QAnon as a a central topic of conversation. So does that mean the dinners that you would have without Tim? I mean, at what point was it difficult to continue um, getting together and having a kind of normal or relatively normal conversation?
5: Towards the end of 2018 was when the relationship started to really break down. But prior to that, we'd been having family dinners and we would listen to Tim's theories and things like that. He wasn't really open to having them critiqued even. So he would say, no, you've got to be free from your beliefs and open your mind and things like that. So it was very, very hard to argue against. At the end of 2018, um, in September, He'd had a few drinks, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, but he was certainly really, really angry at me because I refused to say that Donald Trump was a good guy. Um, <laughs> and I said, Donald Trump doesn't care if I think he's a good guy. It doesn't matter whether or not I say it, but I don't think he's a good guy. Um, and so that was a really explosive night um, and he was screaming, you know, shouting at me for being judgmental and all sorts of things about Donald Trump but I don't have I didn't have to have a view on Donald Trump I can't vote in America so I can just watch and be (laughs) um, entertained by his oddities so it was really then when we all started to break down and he refused he often then didn't come out to see us because he lives about an hour away Um, so Mm -hmm. that relationship even with my parents sort of started to um, become quite strained and i realized too that then he would talk to mum for sometimes hours and hours on the phone mm-hmm. um and so we i sort of had a chat with her and said you may well be enabling some of these beliefs because he thinks that you're listening and agreeing just by uh-huh uh-huh because you can't get a word in mm. um right and so it beca- as as it became more volatile then as a family we had to make some decisions as to How we dealt with this because we felt it was becoming uh, obsessive we couldn't talk about anything else that was it if he was there
1: and and so I mean this is something that we've seen with many families we have a recent episode called cue a mom uh, where we, we spoke to somebody who's you know who spoke to the media with her mother but it turns out that with your family it also has other repercussions beyond that pain and that damage which is that his relationship with the Prime Minister became a meaningful public story, a debate in Australia.
5: Yeah, it's really only become mainstream media just in the last month, really. So, Guardian Australia covered it back at the end of 2019. But Tim Tim and Scott Morrison have, and Tim's wife, Linnell, are friends with Scott and Jenny Morrison and they have been for 30 years. Yeah. There is a strong relationship there I guess the problem that came about was when we realised that Scott had changed a word, that Tim had told us Scott had changed a word to include the phrase ritual sexual abuse in a nationally, it was a national apology to people who had been abused by institutions and it had it covered up um, over a period of time. So we had a Royal Commission, which is our top-level inquiry, and we realised after those findings that it was systemic across many institutions um, that child abuse had been covered up quite quite to the highest degree. It was terrible. So some of that therefore matched with that Luciferian pedophile concept. So, okay, there's going to be a Satanist around every corner and you know these people that claim they were abused and trafficked and things like that we need the word ritual in there to ensure that that covers off anyone that was abused by satan and satan's followers and things like that
1: despite the fact that a lot of these were in religious uh institutions
5: yeah quite the opposite and so that was um it became so outlandish you can't ignore it but there was one woman um in australia who's made some very big claims that she was trafficked as a youngster and um, traffic to people like Richard Nixon and then famous cricket players here, former prime ministers, from the age, almost from baby to age 15, I think she's made these claims. Now, they have been looked into by police. They don't seem to be well-founded and a lot of people don't believe her, but she has a big following, especially from people in the US. But it was her that really wanted that word ritual included in the speech because she felt that that would cover off all of those people like her that had been trafficked by Satanists in some sort of weird cult. And so Tim and my brother Tim and a couple of other people, including this one woman, uh, went out of their way to say, you know, how can we make this happen? And Tim then spoke to his wife, who was at that point. She had access to Curabilly House by virtue of her friends, Scott and Jen. So Curabilly House is where the Prime Minister often resides in Sydney.
1: She was an, uh, a longtime nanny even before being employed in that capacity as well, right?
5: Yeah, that's right. She's She was a good enough friend and so she was often looking after the Prime Minister's kids and dog mm-hmm. um, in order th- to you know have them some normal life and she'd take them to school and things like that. That, that was her Um, help. So it was not an unusual thing for her to be employed in that capacity because she was already doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is unorthodox that then information was passed to the Prime Minister. And so in his national apology speech spoken in Parliament, it was a huge event, um, and he popped that word ritual in there. So that ritual sexual abuse, that was the shout-out to QAnon, and and they all went crazy on Twitter as a result of that, but there was a blogger in Australia who also recognised that that was likely to be a shout-out to the QAnon world, and so it wasn't only our family that recognised how big that word was um, in QAnon circles.
1: So speaking about this apology for... Decades of abuse and the cover-ups within these institutions in Australia You are yourself a victim of sexual assault as a child and you watched this apology And at the same time you knew of your brother's beliefs. So kind of how did you take that apology
5: I took it in initially in the sense I believed it was given. So we just had a bit of um, a kerfuffle with the prime ministers at that point. And so Scott Morrison overthrew the former prime minister and took leadership. So the the bulk of the speech would have been prepared probably by the former prime minister, who is quite a, I believe, a, a lovely man. So at the time I I took it in a positive way as being um, an apology to me for what had been covered up, as all the other survivors did too. When the word ritual came along, I thought, okay, that stood out as being odd, but at that point I didn't know that was deliberate. So then suddenly um, I was getting messages from my nephew who was saying, ritual abuse, ritual abuse. No no one else in Parliament has ever used those phrases. This is the first time... Um, and so I realised that they had then colluded and coerced uh, the Prime Minister, I believe, to include that word. So that was a shattering moment for me because suddenly the national apology that should have been about my child's sexual abuse became about QAnon. And so I guess my brother has had inserted his cultish beliefs into my emotional healing as a result of that national apology speech being affected by that. And so I felt that was a betrayal, but also just a lack of gravitas, how to not realise this is a sombre situation and cults don't have any place in in affecting that outcome. So yeah, it was, it was really shattering um, for a long time before I worked out how I was going to deal with it, um, which is sort of how everything, how it's come into the mainstream now.
1: What I noticed also in the ABC reporting is just uh, how much more information and clarity has come out um, about their relationship. You know, they really are very close. You know, the prime minister will make happy birthday comments under his photos and they'll go back and forth with jokes and another family member will jump in. But also... It, it it made it uh, clear just how much he had alienated everyone else. So you received this text from his son, Jesse, and Tim is thinking about all of these beliefs, and he's, get, he's you know, until until the, the break happened in, in, in the family um, and, and you got together less, I'm assuming you had time to hear a lot of his beliefs. So could you just tell us um, a bit about how Tim viewed the world and what QAnon meant to him?
5: I'll just preface that with the fact my father was a public servant in Canberra, which is our capital yeah. city, and so he worked at Department of Foreign Affairs and Attorney General's Office. So he was very politically um, savvy, and then he became a minister. So then he was savvy; his knowledge was savvy about religion. So we we were raised on the politics and religion conversation that most other families would probably avoid. So Tim then decided he was going to throw away mainstream beliefs and broaden his mind and that's really where he found himself in the fringes of the internet. So they have always believe Satanists had taken over the world. That's that's you know that underpins the whole QAnon concept. He believes the number thirty four is something special, and I think it is in numerology circles and the occult, and and that's why he would called himself a uh, Burn Spy thirty four, and a lot of his other Twitter handles included the number thirty four as well. So I don't know what that number means. I really don't care one way or the other, but. The whole Clinton Foundation, they believe that. The red shoes concept. Now, we had our deputy leader of our Liberal Party in Australia had red shoes and she handed those to our museum in Canberra. Right. And so for them suddenly, okay, well, she's a cult leader, she's a pedophile because she had red shoes. Then they believed that Trump at the border with removing the kids and putting them in cages. Now, I'm never sure how accurate some of those are but Jesse believed that at that point Donald Trump was organizing DNA testing on all the adults and the children to make sure that they weren't their children and so they were really helping by removing the kids from their family.
1: Oh wow that's a stretch.
5: <laughs> as, as I understand it in your medical system uh, lots of things aren't covered by the government so I found it fairly outlandish that Donald Trump was going to fork out for DNA testing for all these kids, but that was one of them. The Queen being a shape-shifting lizard, and apparently the photos are there to be found. I didn't unearth any myself. Then you've got just the basics that have hung around for a while, like the fluoride in the water, the chemtrails from the plains. Uh, then we had any anyone affiliated with Epstein, except for Trump, of course, is a, um, a pedophile. Then you have the celebrities so robert de niro tom hanks probably meryl streep anyone who spoke out against trump straight away they were pedophiles isaac cappy also um now i had no idea who that guy was
1: i thought i saw a call where isaac cappy was actually on the same call as tim or was i dreaming
5: no no they were corresponding online but he isaac cappy came out and stayed with tim for a couple of days. And so they did a lot of live stuff on Periscope, which I watched. And I think most of them were just stoned and being and ranting. That's how it looked to me. So Isaac Cappy brought with him that Hollywood element that anyone who donated to the Democrats was a, a pedophile, which is, you know, it was fairly, there was a clear line between Democrats and Republicans and everyone, every Democrat was a pedophile. And that was the, or maybe the Bush family, they might've been pedophiles as well. So it was really just building their own world.
1: And so Isaac Cappy, who later took his own life and is now kind of broadly considered as a martyr for the QAnon caused by them, of course, it it doesn't appear Mm. that that's uh, like, you know, stands up to reality check, but you know, how did your brother take that death and does it, does it kind of, you know make him want to keep fighting for this this stuff
5: yeah it had a big effect on jesse more so than tim i think and he'd really Mm -hmm. become um enamored i guess with the hollywood hype that isaac cappy came with but in in australia i I don't think Mm -hmm. i had any idea who he was so yeah i think jesse felt that, that was a horrible thing and he was CIA killed Cappy, of course. It wasn't a suicide mm-hmm. in, in their minds. So it was probably Jesse that it's boy with him. He's um, probably likely to keep fighting for, for Cappy because he was murdered by, I don't know, probably the same person that killed Seth Rich is what I am assuming. Mm-hmm. The deep state taking people out if you're too close to the truth.
1: And so, you know, the journey of both Tim and his son, Jesse, as QAnon influencers, had led them to meet a guy called Ella High Priest, who claims uh, publicly that Tim, who went by Burn Spy, was bragging about his close relationship with the PM and bragging about inserting um, specifically the ritual sexual abuse words into the speech. So can you tell us a bit more about that aspect? And is he still a, a, an influencer now that Twitter's gone?
5: I think they're still pretty functional over on Gab. Um, and I've had a bit Mm -hmm. of a look over there and it just looks like a far right um, place to air any sort of grievance about the lefties and normies, that sort of thing. So I've stayed away from Gab, but, yeah, they're still pretty big over on that platform. Um, But Twitter, pretty much that was all um, kicked off there eventually. Now, Elihi Priest... Does he was never I don't believe he was ever a QAnon believer, but he, he had his beliefs by way of, you know, pedophile rings and things like that. He probably agreed with some of that. Mm-hmm. I think he comes from a place of wanting to improve the world. I've never spoken to him, but I have received some messages. I believe that came about in relation to Isaac Cappy, I think Isaac Cappy must have sort of spoken to both Ella High Priest and Tim and Jesse and said, oh, you two should get together, which then Isaac Cappy came out and introduced them all and, and off they went on their merry little jaunts um, on, you know, smoking however many doobies they could get down that day. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that relationship with Ella High Priest and I'm not even sure why it broke down, but... That was where Ella High Priest then published a lot of information relating to Tim and um, Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister. And, and, I mean, who wouldn't brag a little bit if you were friends with the highest office right. in the land? So I can understand that, yeah, but that I think that's been exploited by a number of people and certainly in the story that was covered by Four Corners recently with our family, um, they found quite a number of sources where Tim had, mentioned the friendship and what had happened and um so it's certainly he hasn't helped by choosing some friends that then ended up falling out with and then but they're going to come out with all the info so that's really what High Priest has done and I think he has quite a big following so it it did come to light it really did take a while though
1: And so, you know, today, does Tim still hang out with the prime minister? And my other question, I suppose, is, what do you think the prime minister makes of him? Like, oh, this is my, you know, kind of my friend who rants a lot and is into conspiracy theories, but he's still my friend. Or, oh, I love how he thinks, but maybe he's a bit extreme. I mean, obviously, this is, we're we're just kind of, Speculating here, obviously, yeah. but uh, I'd love to know your opinion on that.
5: Yesterday on uh, one of our radio stations, Scott Morrison said that he hadn't seen Tim in a, in a long time, and so he sort of said, well, my relationship was with Linnell rather than Tim, and so he's definitely distancing himself from Tim at the moment. There was a source to the Four Corners story who actually said that Tim had told him oh, I'm going to have to disassociate myself from you um, until this blows over. Now that's not verbatim but um, so he's definitely not acknowledging that they're friends and he had this crazy belief which would have been quite the the simplest way to acknowledge it. Um, so no he's, he's backing away saying I don't know that but even by saying, well, I'm still friends with Linnell, that doesn't get him off the hook because it was Tim was using Linnell to get the messages to Scott mm-hmm. anyway. And so that right. was all being passed along. So I think Scott's going to double down on this and say that he had nothing to do with it and the word ritual came from elsewhere. But from all the recommendations and the findings from that Royal Commission, the word ritual was never there. And so I think. Scott's probably got some answers that he has to provide uh, because it's now been mentioned in Parliament as well. So that's going to require some answers. But he's not one for giving very good answers at any time, let alone over something like this.
1: Often with figures like Tim and Jesse online, you wonder whether they believe in what they talk about. Mm. But Tim has been writing papers, if not what he calls books on his blog, ranging back to 2017, very early days of Q. Mm. What do you think? Do you think that both Tim and Jesse are truly waiting for the storm? They really believe those gallows are going up? Or is there an element of finding a community and a fun game to play?
5: I think the sense of community was first and foremost, um, because I was just looking back now over messages Jesse had sent me and he was saying, oh, it's so loving and supportive in this environment. So that might have been where it becomes a little bit of an online f- family. Certainly as time went on, they started to believe more and more and I would say Jesse has become quite fanatical. So I believe they, they ge- genuinely think that pedophiles have taken over the world and I think they would stand by those beliefs. Um, Tim has not disavowed QAnon in any interview that he was subject to a few, oh, probably 18 months ago. He's never denied that his beliefs with QAnon by any stretch of the imagination. So I believe they are both sold out on this. It's not just a game. This Tim f- views this as his destiny. And that this is going to be his mark upon the world.
1: And you know, what of his partner, who who has a job or had a job, and and this is kind of you know is now being propelled into the news? Uh, is there a sense that Tim is a liability to his own, even his own kind of family? Or I mean, how does she take having a husband and a son that are so profoundly red pilled?
5: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that she knew initially what was happening, but she couldn't have missed the conversations.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, now, Tim and Linnell support each other so firmly that it's it's if they won't critique each other, that's what I've watched. Whatever happens behind closed doors, different story, but they will always back each other up on whatever claims made. And so, um, I think she probably had to leave her position as um, employed at Curability House, where the residence is, because of Tim, because we ha- everyone has to pass national security checks. So if you've got someone whose partner and son are really hardcore um, proponents of QAnon, you shouldn't pass those security clearances. So the fact that she did is of extreme concern. But I, I think there's been times where she's promoted those writings of Tim's, that blog, and um, has used the hashtag The Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. So I think she must be aware of what's going on, but it would align with her religious beliefs as well because there's that big evangelical Christian overlap from QAnon to your old just just standard churches. And so I think mm-hmm. that's where the confusion could be come from, even with Scott Morrison. So he's a, you know, Pentecostal Christian and so they're always talking about this spiritual warfare, armour of God and so that really does overlay um, the whole concept of QAnon and I think that is the reason why it would be believable to other Christians because mm-hmm. they do want to fight the Satan and send him back to hell and, you know, read the Bible, God wins as though it's a novel So that whole concept could underlie her beliefs. Therefore, she would support Tim to a certain degree, definitely.
1: What do you make of the own prime minister's belief system, having been so close to Tim, having kind of distanced himself, but also coming from this Pentecostal background?
5: Look, I hate the concept of church and state being intertwined and there at the moment there is actually a big presence trying to cement that relationship between church and state mm-hmm. and that's quite worrying as a Pentecostal Christian, no one really understands what that means. Are these just the God-botherers, the happy clappers, and they dance and speak in tongues? I want. I think the Prime Minister spoke recently at a Pentecostal convention and he said, well, when I'm shaking hands with people, that's when I'm praying for them and, and laying on of hands. And that in itself is an imposition of his beliefs upon anybody else. So I, I think it's quite... Worrying that he that's what he's going around doing, and he's you know, he's God put him in this position. And so, I think those that Pentecostal religion has only been around since you know 1901, really. So, this is a new denomination in the Christian circles, but it's established itself so neatly into the fabric Mm -hmm. of society. And these are big, big organizations now, Hillsong. And C3, I think you've got Hillsong now in America. And Justin Bieber was a member of it or something like that at some point. So they certainly are a behemoth. And and I, and I worry about that because I find uh, Pentecostalism to be somewhat superficial.
1: As a person who has um, gone through your own life experiences of um, abuse mm. uh, and cover up by institutions, what do you make of this claim of saving the children that is at the core of a lot of QAnon beliefs and certainly Mm. your brother's beliefs?
5: The Save the Children, that was very clever marketing from their standpoint, Um, as horrific as it has been, because all they're doing is giving unfounded or ill-founded beliefs onto um, the organization in America, whose acronym escapes me, who look at Missing. Look for missing children. So they're getting all of these tip-offs that are absolute rubbish, and so they're becoming clogged in the system as to whether or not it's a real lead and it is a missing child, or whether mm-hmm. it's just a QAnon missing child. And I think I've run into enough people online who will say, "Well, you were sexually assaulted. You should you should be on this. You should want to make sure that um, that you're helping." And I said, well, because I'm um, a sexual assault survivor, that's the opposite. If I started hanging around QAnon people and hunting pedophiles online, then I'm creating a fixation that's unhealthy for me. And so I see other people mm-hmm. saying, well, I've been sexually abused as a child and that's why I want to fight this. And I thought, no, that's it's damaging. That, that level of propaganda is going to give them... Um, or create that hyper-focus on a topic that is damaging to anyone who's a survivor in reality. And so I found that what I found strange was there was um, the, the church where my assault happened was the minister was retiring and so my mum and dad were going over there and they were expecting that at one or both perpetrators were going to be there. So mum sort of said, okay, I'm going to say something. If I run into them, I'm going to have a say. And it's mum's pretty daunting when she gets up a full head of steam. So she was talking with Tim about this and Tim then said, well, don't expect me to back you up. Now, if you're QAnon, isn't that, what you would be doing if you're faced with someone who had sex with a minor yeah you probably that's isn't that the shining moment for a QAnon supporter that they go yep guess what i did today i got to, i left my keyboard and i actually approached someone and had it out with the fact he'd abused my sister but he just backed away and said no which is really really peculiar
1: and for what reason to salvage his relationship to that church or to all of these churches or what
5: I would say to that church. um, He'd never Mm -hmm. given a reason and mum was somewhat perplexed as well. Um, But it could have been because Scott and Jen Morrison were likely to be at that same uh, church retirement party so he wouldn't have wanted to do anything that could be construed as unorthodox while they're there, I guess, because the Prime Minister was actually an elder at the church where I was abused. Mm -hmm. So... That That's another complicating factor. Strangely enough, when I go back to 1990 when my abuse happened, Tim was the youth leader at that church and so he did inform the minister at that point in time. So he acted in good faith back then and they were some of his best years where he was um, very supportive. So back then that was the action he'd taken but now um, suddenly th- sought to not to not do that, even though, you know, it had been a police matter. And so that was more what mum wanted to come at him and say, well, you you ruined my daughter's life. Uh, only one of them that was there because there were two perpetrators. So dad ended up chatting with him about it. But it is strange that Tim and or Jesse, I'm not sure if Jesse attended, but you would think that's the, the highlight. And I don't know mm-hmm. whether he's acting in a certain way because most of the QAnon people I've experienced have been online. So you don't always get a sense of what they're up to and how they think. It's it's quite a mm-hmm. a bizarre. I know they have this mass mindset, but then you have sort of within that hive mind you have some weird people believing that the earth is flat and things like that. It's hard to predict mm-hmm. What any one QAnon follower is actually believing, or what their truth is, on any given day, yeah, because they change so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they even claim, oh well, actually, QAnon doesn't even exist now. Like yeah. there's a million <laughs> techniques to obscure, you know. uh
5: oh, yes, and that was one of the weird things. So Tim, I remember he was saying, no, no, there's no name. We're not called QAnons, but we, there is someone on Q online that calls themselves Q that does have a place in our lives was sort of how he he made it into that airy fairy thing until mum heard him on the YouTube clip where he was I can't remember the other guy but beer at the parade was his one of the Twitter handles um, that they interviewed Tim and Jesse and even in that they were referring themselves to themselves as QAnon so clearly they're underneath that label no matter what they can't deny that.
1: I can't thank you enough um, for sharing your story with us, Karen. And next time we will speak more clearly about what time zones are (laughs) and how they function so you don't get up at 5 a.m. I'm so sorry. No, don't worry. Thank you so much. And I'd I'd love to know if you have anything to plug, uh, you know, where people can find you if if you want them to.
5: I do run a blog called karenthinksaloud.com.au and that's where I critique most religious beliefs, but um, I would classify myself as an anti-theist rather than an atheist. So I certainly pick up hypocrisy and things like that and write about it. So. That would be the only thing I could plug.
1: Well, thank you once again for coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Karen.
5: Lovely. Thanks for chatting and inviting me.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for $5 a month to get a whole second episode every single week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. There are currently 128 of them. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising-free and editorially independent. We usually stream twice a week at twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. Other Twitch handles to go follow are Julian Field, Liv Agar, and Florida Flynn. For everything else, we have a website, QAnonAnonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you.
5: It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And
0: now, today's auto cue.
4: Tim Stewart told Four Corners... I am too busy to read questions relating to the nonsense
3: that's been put out there, which are just hit pieces. I don't promote or support any kind of violence. Four Corners has learned
4: that Lynell Stewart stopped working at Kirribilli House at the end of last year. Scott Morrison did not respond on the record to Four Corners' questions about whether he and Tim Stewart are still friends.